Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus podcast, Talking CDI. The Actus podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today's Actus solution is the 2021 Actus National Conference. After a year in which we had to cancel our 2020 event, Actus is stepping forward to make ourselves and the CDI profession stronger than ever. So we do hope you can join us next month, October 25th through 28th, coming up soon in Dallas, Texas, for the return of our conference. This year will look a little different. We've got uh, four tracks of education going on at all times at the Sheridan Dallas. For those that are joining us live, you will also have free access to some pre-recorded sessions and a virtual poster event, a poster session that we're offering. That uh, virtual um, option will be available for purchase for those that cannot join us in Dallas. But we do hope to see you. If not, um, we will see you again in 2022. All right, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Chart Review with the Actus Pocket Guide. Today's show is a little bit off the beaten path. Typically, I have a familiar face down at the bottom there as a co-host, but we're hosting three guests today to talk about some best practices, tips, and strategies for performing a review of the health record and uh, working in how, how they work in the Actus Pocket Guide and, and, and other reference tools into their day-to-day -day work. So with that, I'd like to introduce our guest today. We have, of course, with us Laurie Prescott. Laurie is the CDI Education Director for us here at Actus, lead developer for the CDI Bootcamp, subject matter expert across the board with our CERT committees and advisory board. And of course, she is the uh, co-author of our Actus Pocket Guide. I wanna welcome her back to the show. Welcome, Laurie. Thanks, Brian. I'm kind of excited to be a guest this week. I know. You're, you're, a, you're a guest this time. You're in the, you're in the hot seat, though. <laughs> Feeling special. <laughs> we also have with us Autumn Ryder. Uh, Autumn is the v, uh, is, is a VP of CDI Services and Tech Enablement for Coro Health, where she works with clients from multiple facilities to serve in their staffing and auditing needs. She has a nursing background that includes ICU, labor and delivery and school nursing. She transitioned into CDI more than eight years ago, served as a CDI specialist, a clinical coordinator for a CDI program before her current role um, with Coro Health. And she also serves on our Actus Advisory Board. She's been on a couple times, but we're very glad to have her back for a repeat appearance. So welcome, Autumn. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah. And then finally, we have with us today as well, Nikki Daly. Nikki is a uh, BSNRN CCDS and is a level three CDI specialist for West Virginia University Medicine in West Virginia. She has worked for WVU for 23 years as an RN with most of that experience in med surge ICU. Currently, she serves as a level three CDI working on focused DRGs, physician advisor escalation projects, uh, has been in CDI for six years and I wanna welcome her her first appearance on the podcast. Welcome, Nikki. Uh, thank you, Brian. It's really nice to be here. Yeah, wonderful to have you. All right, let's start with a poll question related to today's topic. I'm going to go ahead and uh, get that up for you, and I will verbalize as well for those who aren't with us live today. The question reads, what is your biggest challenge when performing chart reviews? Um, 
you know, I just want to say here, I'm thinking more of the review itself, which is why I, I only have five options in this poll. I didn't include physicians not answering queries. I imagine that's probably a big one as well. But uh, your your options are time crunch, you know, those productivity demands. Uh, is it insufficient documentation in the record? Um, is it maybe your own knowledge gaps, confidence and experience, perhaps? Um, maybe you lack supporting tools or technology to help you with uh, your health reviews or other or not applicable. And if you do have some other here, we'd love to hear from you. I've been working those into the show and we'll continue to do that. Again, what's your biggest challenge when performing chart reviews? Is it time crunch, insufficient documentation, knowledge gaps or confidence, lack of supporting tools or tech, uh, or not applicable or other? And again, drop your other responses right into the uh, into the chat function and we'll take a look at those. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and close this out and we will come back to the results in just a few minutes. All right, let's get started with our panel today. Um, you know, I thought maybe we could just start with some broader discussion on, on where to start with the chart review. What are, maybe start with some of the, uh, you know, the, the critical aspects of the record that you need to access and, and when and why Maybe Nikki, I will start with you with this question. Okay, Brian. Um, you know, ideally here at, at our facility at WVU Medicine, um, we're focused mainly on Medicare and Medicare Advantage payers first um, for our reviews. And, and so I like to start my chart review process uh, somewhere between that 24 and 48 hour after admission, um, Mark, because, you know, you want to make sure you have enough information in the EMR to base a possible query. Um, and I think it's and it's really vital to start with the ER or possibly even the EMS documentation because, you know, here's where you can gather a great deal of information um, such as present on admission, uh, maybe the monitoring and treatment of sepsis or respiratory failure or encephalopathy. Um, and I also think, it, you know, it's another great place to find uh, documentation of wounds. Um, and, and it's a place where you find the baseline vital signs and labs, and then, you know, you're able to trend these throughout the patient's stay. Um, and then maybe here in the EMR, we find, uh, something like the, the patient's blood pressure is quite elevated and maybe they were being treated with IV antihypertensive medications to bring their blood pressure down. So you know, maybe that patient was being treated for a hypertension emergency. Um, you know, oftentimes treatment can be begin in the ER and then sometimes even resolved in the ER, but then never carried forth onto the HMP and documentation. So, you know, here's, for this example, this uh, query might be pertinent in this um, circumstance. So um, then following that ER documentation, you know, you'd want to look at, course the H&P and any consult notes um, and this gives the CDI more useful information um, such as like the past medical history and the actual physical exam and also the plan um, that's going to be carried out for the patient um, and you might in this you could find conflicting documentation between the consulting um, physician and the attending provider so 
once again, this is another area um, that a query could be warranted. So, and I often like to remind CDIs not to forget about those nursing notes and flow sheets, um, therapy notes, dietitian notes, a lot of good information here um, that the provider might be missing in their documentation. Um, so, for example, the registered dietitian might be documenting the patient meets criteria for a severe protein malnutrition. Meanwhile, that provider may not be documenting the patient is even underweight, or, or maybe they're not even documenting anything regarding the patient's weight or nutritional status. So, um, you know, those, those uh, nursing notes and um, dietitian notes and things like that are very important. Um, also, wound documentation is another one. The other things um, that I would recommend. Go ahead, Anna. Yeah. All right. Um, really appreciate that. So I was just going to say that, you know, another place that. So I think, you know, oh, the nurse... this is Autumn. I was just going to say that one of the other areas that I. Are we losing okay. Autumn? That I like to look at is the case management notes. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Autumn, I think we're having a little bit of difficulty with your. Uh with your audio at the moment. I think there's a little bit of a lag or delay. So we'll 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 continue as best as we can with uh with Nikki and Laurie here, but but please do chime in um as I get to you in question a, a little bit later here. Um just wondering Laurie how that you know Nikki gave a great overview here. Mm -hmm. I love her her thoughts about 24 to 48 hours um you know waiting on that starting with the ER and if available the EMS notes just wondering how this compares to your past experiences or your 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 best practices for for, yeah. for the chart room. Yeah, I think Nikki's spot on. Um, and, and as Autumn was saying, think about your social services notes, your case management notes. The, the one piece of advice I give with new CDIs is be really systematic in the approach um, because sometimes you'll, you know, you start, most people start with the ED record if the patient went through the ED. And, you know, you'll see some hot trail to go down and they'll start jumping all over the chart. Like, what did they say about this in the H&P? What did they say about this in the nursing notes? When they haven't actually reviewed all of the ED record um, and what happens is you'll go down a trail and you may miss something else. So I tell people to find a system and what works for me may not be exactly what works for others but stick to that so that you're very systematic in taking your notes and when you start running down a rabbit trail bring yourself back. You'll get to the HMP in a minute. Finish what the ED physician has said because um, a lot of times you'll get so hot on one trail that you'll miss three other trails you should be tracing as well. So um, I tell people develop a system and stick with it. Good gotcha. point. Yep. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some of the most challenging aspects of that of the chart review and why. Um, we're going to see, of course, a little bit later how the poll results play out. Uh, but again, maybe start with Nikki here. From your experience, what are some of the stumbling blocks or, or elements that are, are challenging and may always remain challenging just due to the nature of you know, when the documentation's in and some of the limited aspects you're working with here? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question, Brian. I, you know, I think insufficient documentation in the record is and probably always will be one of the biggest challenges in our industry, um, along with productivity demands following a uh, close second to that. Um, 
thinking back to six years ago <clears throat> when I began my career as a CDI, you know, our documentation has greatly improved with the use of um, more hospitalists throughout our organization and also programs like uh, Immodal that uses AI and natural language progression technology. It helps nudge our providers and identify, you know, gaps in the documentation. It also helps them to clarify it up front as they're creating the documentation. So, um, and I think we've evolved in a way that, you know, we're not solely focused on MSDRGs, but by all aspects of the patient comorbidities and, and include the impact on reporting quality measures and, you know, all the patient's conditions, regardless of whether the DRG has already been optimized or not. So, you know, and I think getting the providers to understand the importance and, and having all of the comorbidities documented is, is crucial in our work. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, I think keeping up with productivity commands can be just as challenging. Um, as we become more experienced in the realm of CDI, you know, we might be asked uh, to lead more projects or, or do more education or serve on different councils and, you know, managing and juggling all these things, um, along with keeping our own productivities key to providing and meeting the needs of our specific uh, organization. So I think prioritizing the work on, on hand can be helpful and you know, you don't necessarily want to lose an experienced CDI to meeting burnout, but but also it's important to remember that meetings and councils and education help, you know, the program grow and move forward. So I I definitely think, you know, it's somewhat of a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah, great points there. It's always, you know, of course, at Actus, we're stressing the need for continuing education and 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 getting outside of the comfort zone here but that that does come with trade-offs as well um laurie how does this compare with your experiences here uh either you know in your in your your days reviewing the chart what was challenging for you or, or maybe what you, what are you hearing from students these days um well i think um you know when when i saw this question brian what i went back to was just uh the fact that as CDI professionals, we're one of the very few individuals in the organization that actually reads the whole record or has the ability to read the whole record. Um, but that doesn't mean we need to dive deep every encounter. Um, you know, it depends on the encounter and the patient. But it brought back memories um, for me when we first instituted our EHR and there were decisions made within the company as to who had to have access to what pieces of the chart. And I actually um, lost access to the respiratory care notes and the nutrition notes because those people in IT didn't think that as a CDI, we needed to see that information. Um, so I, I do tell people, you know, some of the challenges we have with tech and with EHRs and with those things is that we need to be involved in the decisions that are made um, so that you don't have to backtrack and make corrections. So I do encourage people to get involved with their IT departments, get involved with their vendors, and make sure that the tools are working for you, not against you, because that's gonna slow you down if you're not using those tools effectively. Great, thank you very much, Laurie. Appreciate that. Um, this next question I wanna pose here is just about what's changed over the years and what, what are some of the recent new emphases? Um, you know, Autumn, if we if we have you back uh, with, with some good audio, maybe you could talk a little bit, I know, about 
one of your recent focuses with our with our new Actus outpatient pocket guide, which is HCCs. Uh, anything you want you want to add there from that perspective? Yeah, Brian, can you guys hear me better now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Can. Awesome. So, I mean, I think one of the things that has changed over the years, and I can tell you back when I started CDI, you know, years ago, <clears throat> the focus was very different. We were looking for CCs, MCCs, and a principal diagnosis change. And, you know, now I think what can be overwhelming to new CDI is the fact that there are so many review components that we're trying to gather. And HCCs is obviously one of those big ones that we're honing in on. So there's additional education that surrounds that. And there's also, you know, the explanation of why we're querying for something um, that may not potentially have any kind of financial SOI ROM impact, but it's because we're painting the true picture of what's going on with our patients. So that's something that has definitely changed over the years. And, you know, capturing all those pieces can make a review more time, uh, time consuming, right? Like we've mentioned, it, it's how do we prioritize and what are we looking for and still getting that true picture of what's going on with the patient. Yeah, great point on them. There's been a lot, certainly a lot added to record review over the years and um, it's no longer just maximizing the, the, the DRG as you ably pointed out there. Uh, Nikki, going back to you, you're, you're a level three CDI reviewer. Um, I know you have some higher level functions, including focus DRGs and, and even physician advisor escalation. Anything you want to talk about there in terms of your role and some of the responsibilities that have been added on or are a more focused type of chart review? Yeah. Um, so once again, here at WVU Medicine, um, we we have somewhat of a new and emerging concept in the CDI world. Um, this year, we we've implemented a career ladder in CDI, um, and it consists of three levels based on experience and certifications and quality and productivity that we're expected to meet. Um, so currently, we have five level three CDIs in our systems organization and one that's um, solely dedicated uh, as a CDI educator. Um, we all hold CCDS credentials and um, we have at least five years of experience in the field of CDI. Um, and then as level threes, we all have specific projects that we insist the, that we assist in, um, including the fo focus DRGs, um, pneumonia, sepsis, um, physician escalation, um, advisor escalation and mortality. Um, so, you know, it's important as a level three to really take the initiative to hone in on specific tasks and really develop trust within the rest of our team. And, and you know, we provide that extra support to the team and um, to assume responsibility and maybe mentor some of the other CDI specialists on our team. Um, and, and it can be pretty interesting, you know, leading a focused DRG project. It, it really gives us a chance to see um, the difference in good quality documentation on a specific DRG. You really get to know it and, and really focus in on what you could be missing, um, such as, like I said, the pneumonia. Um, you know, your critical thinking starts to kick in and, um, you know, you need to ask yourself, does, does the chest x-ray or CT scan, does it show a pneumonia? What antibiotics are being used? Um, you know, typically, most of the time, a, a 
patient won't be admitted to the hospital for just a simple pneumonia, especially if they don't have a lot of other comorbidities with it. So, you know, and, and with a more complex pneumonia, patients tend to be sicker. They, they possibly may even be septic. So, um, they might have ICU stay or, you know, how, you need to ask yourself, have they been treated in long-term care facility or had a recent hospital stay? So, you know, I think it's really vital to look at the big picture in these cases and, and be certain to gather all the data um, to form a compliant query and hopefully come up with an appropriate um, principal diagnosis and DRG along with hopefully meeting, you know, the quality standards as well. Yeah, great stuff there. Um, let's wrap up with just a, some brief discussion about about having the right tools at hand. You know, I've just you know, the, the title of our show today is Chart Review with the Actus Pocket Guide. We're certainly proud of this new Actus Pocket Guide, of which we have a new edition uh, set to debut. Um, you know, so Autumn, we we've been able to leverage your expertise and and that of Coro Health with helping, uh, I believe, with the outpatient pocket guide and and and. Laurie has certainly been a co-author on both of our pocket guides. Again, Nikki, I'll just turn over to you just briefly. Can you maybe just add a little bit about what you have found most valuable with the with the pocket guide when performing your reviews? Any, well, I, any, I, any pages, references you you can't live without? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really like using it in my day-to-day -day chart reviews. It, it doesn't necessarily fit into a pocket, but you know, it is small enough to carry around. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> And, and, you know, now you have the online version available. So, so that part's really nice. Um, I like how it's divided into the six sections, the coding guidance and the IPPS reimbursement updates. And um, it has the compliant query standards and practices. And, and majority of it um, is dedicated solely to clinical validation. Um, so I really like that, that part. Um, and, you know, I like that CDI critical thinking. Once again, we're, you know, a lot of us are nurses and oh, that critical thinking really comes into play. And I like the the tips that the um, the Actus Pocket Guide provides with the critical thinking. So, yeah, we're proud of it. Well, speaking on Laurie's, Laurie, anything to add or, or Autumn yourself as, as, as authors of these guides and your, your work that goes into the into these every year? I'll defer to Autumn. I could talk for hours. So <laughs> yeah, no, I I think the the thing. Well, obviously we use the pocket guides here too. I think it's critical to have at knowledge in your fingertips quickly, and that's what I like about them. Um, you learn it, you know the references, and you can teach from that. But I think one of the things that I found most enjoyable is helping author and working with Laurie on this. Is I continue to learn myself. And, you know, then I can share that knowledge. And I think that's what's great about the pocket guides being updated every year is you're continually getting new information. And Actus is working very closely to make sure that every point in there is the most up-to-date point when it is published. So people are getting the, the best information possible coming out from it. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, yeah, again, thanks. great, yeah, great strategy shared today for record review. Some inside uh, inside baseball tips, which is great, and and having the right tools is certainly part of that. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at our poll results. So our poll results are in. I'm going to go ahead and pull that up again. We asked folks on the show today, "What is your biggest challenge when performing chart reviews?" 
So our biggest bucket, 47%, say time crunch or productivity demands. That's followed by 32% who say insufficient documentation in the record. 11% uh, who said uh, my own coding gaps or confidence, my own knowledge gaps or confidence, excuse me. 6% uh, um, cite a lack of supporting tools or tech. And then we did get some other responses, which I will work in. But as I look at those, uh, any comments from our panelists today on these results? Anything here surprise you or not? Uh, I'll start. I, this is Autumn. Oh, go, oh, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead, Adam. I'll okay. follow. I was going to say, I, I am not surprised that the time crunch component and productivity demands is the number one. Um, you know, from the pandemic and everything, I know everyone's kind of sick about talking about that, but we know that some CDI teams were either, you know, condensed down or they were given more responsibilities. So I, I can definitely see where the time crunch productivity demands comes in, you know, again, to the point where I mentioned earlier in the show, there are so many different components that CDI are being expected to review for, but still maintain that specific, you know, productivity that the facility has set forth. So I, I figured that that would be at the top. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at the 6% with lack of supporting tools and technology, and it goes back to what I was saying before, your tools should help you. Um, so, you know, if you have the right tools, that's going to assist with your time crunch and productivity demands. And then just as an educator, the 11% uh, that say my own knowledge gaps and confidence, I actually wonder if that should be higher because we all don't know what we don't know. And um, I know, especially when I was new in the process, it took me three times longer to review a chart because I either didn't know where to go to find the information or didn't understand exactly what I was reading. And that's where the learning happens every day. Um, and depending on the type of case you're reading, you may be slower than normal because you don't have experience in that area. So I, I think it's really important for us all to acknowledge that we ha all have knowledge gaps and a little lack of confidence on a daily basis, and that's okay, but to seek out and ask for what you need for that education um, mm. to assist you. Great point, Laurie. Just a couple of the other comments we received. Um, in terms of biggest challenges, someone wrote too many physicians or specialists and multiple change in hospitalists, not reviewing mm -hmm. one another's documentation, so therefore conflicting, confusing, um, cut and paste of errors repeatedly. Another comment is those gray areas, the almost criteria, i.e. patient stays on, on NC a few days after extubation, is, is it what that particular patient needs or are they having respiratory failure? Um, able to see the respiratory therapy notes allowed us to support the use of the, the PF ratio. Um, yeah, some interesting comments there on some of the gray areas that are a challenge. All right, appreciate everyone for sending in their uh, poll options here. At this point, we are gonna switch over briefly to our in the news segment. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and, and get that pulled up for you all. Uh, in the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession and to ACTUS. Today, I wanted to mention briefly this story from the OIG about some of the results of the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact it's had on our patient population. 
the title of this piece is Medicare beneficiaries hospitalized with COVID-19 experienced a wide range of serious complex conditions. Um, I'm going to link to this again in the show notes. This is from the OIG website. Just in summary, uh, the, the OIG sums up that, that COVID-19 has affected uh, millions of Americans, resulting in more than 600,000 deaths. It's actually almost 700,000 as of this podcast. We're still seeing additional surges and that clinicians and researchers are still working to fully understand the damage to the body from the disease and what underlying chronic conditions potentially lead to more severe complications or, or hospitalizations. Um, really important for understanding uh, which beneficiaries with COVID-19, Medicare beneficiaries specific to this report are being treated and who was more likely to be hospitalized, which of course helps hospitals and health officials better prepare for their wide ranging and extensive needs, especially in the event of localized surges of cases. So what the OIG did essentially, they reviewed hospital inpatient claims um, and enrollment data to identify Medicare beneficiaries who were hospitalized in short-term acute care hospital. The, 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 the date range was April 1st through July 31st, 2020, so last year. They looked at six localities and I have them up here on, on the screen. Um, Phoenix, Detroit, Houston, New Orleans, New York City, and Miami um, that experienced a surge in hospitalizations over a three-week period. They were looking specifically at the diagnoses on the claims of these beneficiaries uh, right from the claims data that, of course, CDI professionals are clarifying every day. Um, and they have found that uh, almost all of these beneficiaries were treated for acute respiratory issues, probably not a surprise there, like viral pneumonia, but also other types of serious conditions. And they note that almost half were treated for acute kidney failure, almost half had acute circulatory issues, almost two thirds were treated for significant endocrine, nutritional or metabolic issues, and, and more than one third had sepsis. Um, also noted that more than 50% of Medicare beneficiaries hospitalized with COVID-19 received intensive care or mechanical ventilation. So I'll just open it up briefly here to the, the panel again. What, what do you guys think about this article? I mean, this, some of these might seem obvious um, mm -hmm. given what we know today, but I think it's a good reminder of, of um, you know, these serious comorbidities that a CDI might encounter and make sure to get this coded data in the record for for epidemiological studies like this one. Um, I think one of thoughts? the things one of the things that stand out for me, Brian, is um, you know when COVID was first coming on, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, coming on the scene, I was noticing on many chart reviews um, that the chest X-ray and, and CAT scans were showing infiltrates, and there there were many other clinical indicators for pneumonia. Yet our physicians weren't very good at, at diagnosing the pneumonia. So this was a query I found myself sending out quite a bit um, in the beginning in order to code that secondary code of the J1282, the pneumonia due to COVID. Because um, we know, you know, not all patients come in that come in with COVID-19 have pneumonia. So it, it is important to have the correct data, you know, to be reported and analyzed. So hopefully in the future, you know, it can provide better outcomes for our patient populations. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. Sure. I think All exactly right. what Nikki was saying there. I, I think this study just stresses how important our work as CDIs are. 
um, because this was based on claims data. So claims data is what we do. And um, it'll be interesting to see the next study a year later, what we're seeing and how that data is changing. So we do a lot to support epidemiology in our work to make sure we capture the correct stories. So kudos to the CDI professionals out there. Yeah, 100%. Um, before we wrap up, Laurie, you know, again, just go back to the pocket guide one last time. Is there anything, folks, that maybe have purchased 2021 and you want to give them a sneak preview of 2022 that we should expect for this upcoming edition? Oh, goodness. Well, you know I'm excited. And like I said, I could talk for hours. Um, we have just finished the uh, inpatient pocket guide updates and they will be going to printer soon. So those of you that have ordered it, you'll be getting it soon. I promise you. Um, my frustration is the page count. I think Nikki was complaining it doesn't fit in her pocket. Um, and that was the, the big thing every year that I go back and forth with the editors as to how much information I can include. So I did some writing that won't be in the printed version, but it will be in the Actus Pro, the online version. Um, we've expanded the pediatric section to include a lot of congenital conditions. Um, again, some of that is in the printed version and more so in the uh, pro. Um, we um, have updated with all the regulatory changes for FY 2022 to include updated coding clinics. Um, the COVID section uh, was rewritten, I think, twice in the past 12 months um, because it's a fast moving target. So for the inpatient guide, Dr. Manza and myself, um, just like Autumn was saying, we learn every time we start working on it and we incorporate the feedback from our readers. So um, I don't think there's one section in the book that hasn't been um, adapted or addressed. And um, Autumn and I are now working on that outpatient guide and uh, hopefully that'll be out shortly as well. So we've been able to incorporate uh, the great knowledge of Autumn Reader, writer in our um, <laughs> and our outpatient guide. So um, there's going to be some significant changes to that guide this year. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. All right. That is going to do it for today's edition of the Actus podcast. For those joining us live, we'll see you back here again in two weeks on Wednesday, October 13th for our next show, which is auto-suggested prompts and, and getting those clinically validated. Um, you can listen to the show recordings anytime on our website or via the usual suspects like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We do uh, include all the links we discussed um, on in, in our show notes and also on your podcast player. As always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, new topics you'd like us to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. You can get me at bmurphy at actus.org. That'll do it. Again, thank you, Nikki and, and Autumn and Laurie. And for everyone else, we'll see you back here again in two weeks.